From WDBM East Lansing, this is The Undercurrent, a weekly radio show that brings you audio narratives produced by students at Michigan State University. Hello, my name is Nick, and welcome to this week's extra fluffy edition of The Undercurrent. This week, I was joined by reporter Haley and news director Delaney to help me shed some light on a very important part of the East Lansing community, the Constellation Cat Cafe. This cafe has a very unique twist involving some fuzzy friends. While you can drink away any of the wide selection of available coffee and teas, various cats available for adoption roam the grounds, culminating in one of the most stress-relieving ways to spend your day. We interviewed some of the other patrons to find out why they decided to drop in here and the experiences they had so far. So, hello. 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 We're, yeah, with the MSU radio station. And just kind of want to know why you guys decided to come today. It's my birthday, and Happy I... Birthday. Thank you. And I don't have cats at home, and I can't because my brother's allergic, so I was just happy to see some cats. Um, I'm a roommate, and so we're celebrating a birthday, and I do have cats at home, but I'm always down to see some lovely cats that, you know, are up for adoption and give them some love and support them, so... How long have you guys known about this cafe? Um, I heard of it first, like, last semester, around the middle of the semester. I think I've known about it for a couple of years. I've never been, but I've had some friends that have gone. Yeah, you live here. Yeah, I live in the area. So what made you want to come here and pet cats for your birthday? I just really love cats, and I wish there were more animals on campus. Like, I wish uh, something that I considered is, like, because I'm in the RCPD, like, if they had took dogs to, like, each neighborhood, like, a different day of the week, like, we could just go and pet the dogs or something, but they don't. I just really wanted to pet animals. Yeah, I mean, same. I I miss my pets. I live close, but I really love petting them, and it gives you... Gives you a good boost of happiness, especially in the winter, you know, with school and all that. How do you think a place like this does affect, you know, students or just people in general? I mean, its existence isn't incredibly well known, but it is such a unique idea. I think it's a great idea, and I actually know the Instagram account MSU Affirmations got their ESA here, and so their emotional support cat was adopted from this place and that's really nice yeah i mean i think it gives people a nice place to just go and pet cats especially if they can't have them at home and for students on campus i think it's really nice if they're missing their cats or are possibly looking to adopt it's a good place to come and check out or just hang out so what made you decide to come here today we love cats (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah yeah and plus like it's just been stressful so Mm -hmm. nice to have a change yeah at the cat cafe yeah I think it's a good way to kind of like alleviate stress put some cats um so how did you guys hear about this place last year yeah I don't know how we even found out but we came here last year so this is our returning visit yeah Yeah. Yeah. are you guys enjoying it so far Uh, of course (laughs) 
And um, have you guys had anything to drink here, or are you just experiencing the cat? Yeah, yeah. No? we're okay. gonna get it after. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> I just want to know if you have ever been here before. What your experience is like with this place? Um, I mean, uh, the first time we went here, it was like a private thing because of COVID, and it was fun because mm-hmm. you know we got to see like all of the cats and got mm-hmm. to play with all of them. And this time, it's like still kind of the same. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Different people. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah. to me. Still, as long as I get to see some cats. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the main reason. I think why we're all here. Yeah. Why are you guys here at the Cat Cafe today? Uh, it is actually our five-month anniversary, so we're taking a little trip to the Cat Cafe to just pet some cats and uh, reminisce. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. Why did you decide to come to pet these cats today? Both are really into cats, and it just seemed like a great way to spend like a Saturday afternoon to celebrate. Yeah. How would you uh, describe the cats? Uh, friendly to an extent. Uh, I think they they said they have a couple new uh, new cats in today, so they're they're a little bit on the shyer side. But uh, as soon as you actually get in there and they warm up a little bit, they are quite friendly and very willing to interact. Do you guys have a favorite cat so far? Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. Can you can you tell me about Jackson? Jackson is a is a is a tabby with a little little white spot on his nose who just as soon as we walked in just decided to just come up and bounce between the two of us just begging for attention and well, who doesn't love that in a cat honestly. <laughs> so Delaney, how do you feel about petting this current cat that you are petting? I feel so content and so happy right now. <laughs> I'm almost in tears. It's so good. How would you describe her coat? She's like an orangey, black, brown, almost like a calico type cat. Torty. Torty. What is her name? I think her name is Mona. She's two years and nine months. Hello. Her butt is going straight up. Currently slamming her entire body against me right now. Uh-oh, she's come over to me. No, I'm holding too many things to pet you. I'm sorry. I, it's, I'm trying to balance interviews and petting cats. And I will say, nothing was quite as difficult as being unable to pet these very cute felines. Now, after hearing from the customers, I talked with the current general manager to find out a bit more of the inner workings of the cafe and how the adoption process works. So, if you don't mind, just introductory, would you say your role here, what your name is, and pronouns if you'd like? Yeah, sure, so my name's Lexi, uh, she, her. I'm the general manager. I started off as the event coordinator, and now I am the head cat cheese. So, how long have you been with the Constellation Cat Cafe? So, I've been with the Constellation Cat Cafe since August, and when I first started here, we had two cats in the room, and we had only done a just about 300 adoptions since starting and getting my wonderful team together we are almost like we're at about over a thousand adoptions now yeah it's pretty impressive we're very excited about it (laughs) what has been your your favorite thing working here at the cafe 
Um, okay, well, obviously it's helping all the rescue animals. There's just something that makes the world feel a lot better when you see an animal that's been m abused and mistreated by the world, running around, playing, um, <laughs> getting sassy with customers, um, or just curling up completely trusting in, in a customer's lap. Like, that just makes you, reminds you that, you know, all we ever have is the present, and just we always filled with joy and find the beauty in the in world. Yeah. Um, would you mind talking a bit about... Uh, how you can adopt a cat here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what you do is if you go to meow.cool slash adopt, you fill out uh, one of our adoption applications. Uh, we're going to ask you a couple pertinent questions, especially on if you're planning to let the cat outside, decline, all that kind of stuff, owner rent. Once you're approved, you get a free cat room visit to come and see who you vibe with. We post a lot of our cats. Uh, however, we're like, and they're all adorable, but we're big believers in personality match over um, appearance match. So we do insist that you to meet the cats first because you never know that scraggly tabby in the corner that looks terrifying might be your new best friend. What made you think to combine a cafe with adopting cats? <laughs> um, so this was the brainchild of Kelsey McCombs. She's our executive director. Basically she woke up one day and was like, I don't really like my job. I'd like to make a cat cafe and make the world better. And who doesn't love hot drinks and cats? They, it just kind of feels like a natural fit, doesn't it? Yeah. Peak coziness. Peak coziness. I like that. I might take that actually. Peak coziness. <laughs> That's going to be our tagline. TM. <laughs> While you've been working here, have there been any difficulties or, or, or issues that have kind of arisen that you've had to solve? Yeah, um, so anytime you work with animal welfare, you do get to kind of see the dark side of it. We live in kind of a lavender mint cloud here, and it's lovely and wonderful that we're able to provide such a lovely environment. But our rescue partners, Happy Feet and Saved by Zade, they're really the ones who are on the front line doing a lot of the hard work. It is really difficult to not get em too emotionally involved because you would just be crying every day. But what's great about this place and you know how we exclusively deal in rescue animals is that these guys did not get a good start, but gosh darn it if we're not going to help them get a better beginning. Yeah. When it comes to the, the cafe itself, yes. uh -huh. uh, what does a day-to-day -day look like? Oh, so um, I get here a little bit earlier than my coworkers. So for me, I open up the shop around nine. I take my time, put on a nice podcast, and clean up the cat room, uh, which is there's always a party the night you know from the night before that you have to clean up. So that's constantly a thing. And then we open up the cafe. Uh, we have wonderful volunteers who come in morning, afternoon, and evening. Honestly, we could not do this without our volunteers. They come in for two-hour slots and they kind of help us with the litter boxes and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes we run events, which is really, really fun. I'm also the event coordinator, and I really enjoy that. Uh, we do a lot of craft events and things like that. So it really, no day kind of looks like the day before. It's always something different going on. Um, but mostly we focus on, you know, adoptions, good coffee, and fun events. That, that's kind of our main focuses. If somebody wants to either volunteer or just learn more information, what should be their first steps? Uh, well, first off, if you know your way around a litter box, uh, go to meow.cool slash volunteer, uh, fill out a volunteer application, and we do volunteer training every other week. Once you do volunteer training, you can kind of do the two-hour slots, whatever fits your schedule best. Um, and also, you get a free drink with when you do your volunteer shifts, which is pretty fun. Uh, but if you are anybody's interested in volunteering, we could absolutely use you. Sometimes we even need help with events, which is a super fun one as well, because uh, if there's enough spaces or materials, sometimes you get to participate.
I think thank you very right, much. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. If you have anything else that you want to say or advertise, please feel free. Um, adopt. You know, adopt on shop. Always, you know, if you if you have enough space in your wallet, your home, and you know your life for a cat, there's no reason why you shouldn't get a rescue cat. again to hear more local stories and we here at the impact hope you have a wonderful week art and science are both strong components of life here in east lansing they're often considered to be opposite of one another, yet they may be more similar than most people realize. There's a new movement within the scientific community hoping to bridge this gap and use science art to express themselves and show how connected seemingly different parts of life can really be. Renee Leone, a former therapist and founder of the MSU Science Festival, sat down with me to talk about her experiences and thoughts on the emerging subject and how the recent grand opening of her science art store, Cork, located on the main strip of Grand River, hopes to introduce and demystify science for everyday people and students alike. I'm Renee Leone. My business is Quark, and I just opened in August of this year. So I've only been open for almost three months now. And it is a business that offers gifts at, that I feel are at the intersection of science, art, and everyday. And those things are important to me. <laughs> I have always loved art and I've always loved science and to bring them together is very exciting to me. How I got here has a little bit to do with why I am in East Lansing. My path has been a bit circuitous and uh, not by any means a straight shot. So <laughs> I started out as a therapist and I worked in the mental health field for a long time. And then my husband and I, we moved here to Michigan over 20 years ago. And when we moved here, I decided to just take a little bit of a break and pursue other interests that I had in, in art. So I love the four-dimensional element of garden design. So I had the fortune of working with some, a couple of incredible garden designers. And biology and art are all interconnected there. Basically, I, I pursued that and that took me into other areas and other medium, which I really enjoyed. So that art element is part of my life as well. But when we welcomed our son. We decided that we also wanted to explore, um, all, you know, what educational options there were. So I reconnected with the Montes Maria Montessori and her work and her great lessons and her whole educational curriculum is just fantastic. And it really, I fell back in love with the sciences again. In that curriculum, 
it, the sciences are all interconnected and there's a large component of art to that as well, art to the lessons, art to the work that's done. So I was able to bring together many of the things that I've been interested in all my life up to that point uh, in, into my work as a, uh, I, I got certified by the way, as a Montessori directress. So <laughs> I taught for several years as a directress. And then my husband's work took me to, and our family to Cambridge, England, and I experienced my first science festival. And it was just fantastic. So when we came back to um, uh, the Lansing area, I thought, gee, Michigan State University, we've got a community here that is just all about science and love science. And I thought that they would really, we all would really enjoy uh, the elements of a science festival, which is basically world-class scientists sharing the work that they do through free presentations, demonstrations, hands-on activities, tours, open houses, science cafes, observatory nights, and planetarium nights. It's fantastic. And I pitched it. They liked it. They asked me to run it. So I did. And I ran the festival for about five years before passing the baton on to the next person who was as passionate about it as I was. So it was a really easy transition. But I've always wanted, and it had been percolating in my head even before I left the, left the science festival, that I would love to offer and develop a store that offered gifts that reflected back to people their passions about science, their connection to science in our everyday life. How many great people, great scientists, well-known scientists were also artists. You know, Einstein was a musician. Uh, Santiago Ramon Cajal was, was, you know, a famous neuroscientist and he was an artist. Uh, Maria Sabelia Marianne, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, she was a pioneer in studying insects, and her art is well known. Uh, and so you, you see that throughout history, but you also see it today, people being inspired by what they see through the microscope and wanting to share that and, and express it. Science art in general has become a movement of its own. And I want to talk a bit about how you think you fit into the into the movement. What are your thoughts on how Cork can bridge the intersection of, of science and art? I tend to feel that what I do and Hope My Store does is kind of break down some of those barriers that we often think are between us and science or us and art. I often encounter people, and I myself at one time thinking, oh, well, science that, that part of science isn't quite for me, or science, I hear, isn't, isn't my thing. I like talking with, with people because inevitably they'll mention something that they enjoy or they're a hobbyist in or enjoy doing, and there is that link. I remember specifically speaking to one young man who was like, oh, I don't, I, I'm not into science. I'm going to be a rock star. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. You're going to want to take care of those vocal cords. <laughs> you know? And uh, it was just, it's, you know, the just basic physiology. And, and when we think about, I mean, we all have to go to the doctor, right? And my feeling is, is that just a basic understanding of 
of the sciences around us enriches and, and grounds us. There is a part of the therapist in me that still thinks that the more we understand our world, even on a very basic level, I think that lends some security to and confidence in engaging with the world and asking those questions. Because the first thing that you'll find out in science is that there's always a dozen more questions and those dozens are going to breed more questions. So nobody needs to feel as if I'm supposed to have the answer. It's, it's all about asking questions. And so I think it levels the playing field. So science is a very technical field. And it can sometimes be unapproachable for, for everyday people. So how can science be made more appealing to the mass population? How can it be made approachable to someone who has not had a lot of experience in science or arts? I think more exposure to it and communication, good communication about it. A big part of my work at the Science Festival is providing as many tools as I can to the presenters on how they communicated the science. It's interesting because uh, I, I've read and listened to a lot of stories about communication in the sciences and just how important that is. In fact, Alan Alda is a real advocate for that. He's the actor from MASH and was a spokesperson for Scientific American, did a lot of their shows. He's not a scientist, but one of the best things that he, he learned how to do is just ask the questions, you know, and be curious. That's the one thing you need. And so long as you're able and interested in, in engaging and pursuing the things that you're really interested in, I think that the barriers and the intimidation that can go along with science starts to break down. That's part of what you know, science cafes, science festivals, science stores. I think the more we bring that into society, the more comfortable we become with it. Demystifying it is one of the things. Letting people see that scientists and scientists and people interested in science are all around us. We, we, they're our friends. They're our family. They're, you know, it's, it's um, sometimes the unknown that goes on behind the, the doors and the buildings on college campuses or in laboratories, it's a mystery. And so the more we talk about it, I think uh, the less intimidating and, uh, it can be. And that's part of what the store is about as well. You know, it's, it's bringing it not, not just, I, I like to say that the store is not just for scientists. It's for anybody who's curious because whether you are a, a gardener you know, the botany material is going to be really interesting to you. If you're an ornithologist or just a bird watcher, the, the bird items that we have in the store are going to be interesting. There's a lot of crossover there, a lot of interconnection. They're not separate worlds by any stretch. And we've seen the idea of, of science arts uh, a more universal term, become a more accepted term. Uh, just last year, Michigan State had an entire exhibit that was focused on science art. Do you see the, the value of science art becoming a more mainstream topic? Yes, I do. I, I think that that's really important. I think the more appreciative we are of the things that we have in our lives and what it takes 
to create them and have them in our lives. I think when we think about the chemistry of paints or, you know, we might have uh, ceramics in our home that we love or were given to us or, or whatnot. I think it's important to have that term because it's all part of us all understanding how our world works, how we work. And the more we bridge, the more we're going to understand. Okay. Science is all about, you know, the, the, the scientific method. It's about bringing a question, doing, doing the research, doing the experiments, and then coming up with a result, which ends up usually just leading to more questions. And that is a part of, of all of our lives every day, you know, whether that is uh, going into a lab and looking at bacteria through a microscope or just figuring out what kind of paint you want to color your walls, uh, what kind of allergies people have. There's parts of, of people's lives that are affected by, by science. Having the bridge, as you said, shows that, you know, everything is connected. Uh, science, art, it's all can be seen through the same lens. Right, right. There's more connecting than there is disconnecting. And in fact, there really isn't that much of a disconnect. It's just if we, we choose to see it, you know, it's, it, it's there. How have you seen art and science be able to connect? Artists and scientists are going for a similar thing to understand and express something about their world and themselves and their experience to better understand it, to explore it. When that's done well and skillfully, it moves us forward. We learn something about ourselves. But, you know, there's, there's science and then there's technology, the application of, of the science, right? And then you have art and the artist, and then you know you might say that there's decor and how we bring it into our lives. They're, those are both super valuable because we bring into our lives things that reflect our interests, reflect a part of ourselves into that. And artists enable us to do that. So there are objects in my store that are created by uh, artists to reflect back our interests and our wonder about the world around us. There are also certain objects that are a combination of the creator's artistic vision and lots of science. So we have these globes that are amazing to me. Not only are they visually beautiful and inspiring, and that's, that's one of the things that I like about all the, the objects in the story is that for me, they are all inspiring. You know, I look at them and, and am inspired and they bring me joy because they reflect back to me things that I love. But these globes, for instance, it, they always catch people's eyes when they, they walk in. They rotate on a stand and they're celestial representations. So there's Venus, there's Earth, there's constellations, Jupiter, Mars, and Titan. And so there's an artistic representation of these celestial bodies, and then they rotate within this glass orb. And it's surrounded by an engineered fluid that allows the inner part to rotate with very, very little friction. So uninterrupted, smooth rotation. But it rotates because there are imperceptible solar cells in there 
and magnets. And so it works with the Earth's magnetic field and ambient light. So when the sun goes down, they slow down and they stop. And so this artistic representation is chock full of science. You know, when, when we get back images from Hubble, for instance, of various celestial locations like net objects such, such as nebula or galaxies, it's the artists that help us understand that more. A lot of the data that they're getting has to do with temperatures and other fingerprints, so to speak, of the, the, the gases and the chemicals and the elements that are within these, these masses. And it's the artists that assign different colors to these temperatures or elements that allow us to see a better representation of what's happening in these locations in space. It gives us the depth, the perspective, and the complexity of what's going on there. And so it's really interesting to me how the two worlds come together in those ways. And just, just in the same way, you know, it's the advances in engineering, material science, and architectural design that made something as fascinating to look at as the MSU Broad Museum. I remember the Science Festival had architectural tours and so an architect would come through, in fact, uh, one, of, one of my dear friends is an architect and she did one of the tours. She would point out different periods of time and the different architectural designs that were made possible because of advances in the sciences. And the, the buildings are, are designed and there's a real artistic element to, to those buildings and how they're, they're created. So it's it's really interesting. That's another way that science and art intersect in our world.